What you did in the last decade, two decades, five months, 18 months is, is not wasted. This is all about evolution. You know, pivots aren't hard. They aren't. I'm not talking about hard in, in terms of effort. I mean hard in terms of like a quick break. You know, we as human beings don't function like that. If I saw you in six months from now and all of a sudden you're speaking to me in a British accent, I'd be like, Chase, what the fuck's wrong with you? What, what is going on? You know what I'm saying? Now, if you, if you started using maybe some other language that, you know, maybe I wasn't used to in this conversation, you start using some real Oxford Dictionary type words and stuff like that. I'd be like, now, Chase, did you, is this a degree or, or like, how did you, like, what happened here? You know? Now, that to me is, the, is how I describe the evolution versus the pivot. You know, the pivot feels hard. It feels sharp. It's like, oh, take a left. And then all of a sudden you leave everything that you've ever done before. We don't have to do that. We don't have to do that. When we are evolving our brands or we're evolving as people and we want to reintroduce ourselves to the world, all the stuff that we've done before, good and bad, by the way, okay, the bad stuff shouldn't be left behind because it makes you human. You know, all of that stuff can come with you and make you even more relatable. That nugget of wisdom, y'all, is from Bozma St. John. And if you are not familiar with Boz, as she goes uh, by her friends and most circles on the internet, she is an American businesswoman who has had an absolutely outrageous career uh, working for many of the top brands in the world like Pepsi, Apple, Uber, Endeavor. Uh, she's been covered... Uh, by Adweek is one of the most exciting personalities in advertising. And even with all that, today's conversation does not have much to do with advertising. It has everything to do instead of the concept of living urgently. This particular episode and her new book called The Urgent Life, it, it takes us on a ride, y'all, through a dizzying set of a number of griefs that she's gone through, the courage that came out or came through in the process of managing those griefs, um, feeling them. And she talks a lot today about this journey, about the highs and the lows, and how we all can learn from her experiences. The idea of an urgent life is so captivating to me. Uh, and we uncover a few things. I, I reveal something that I had uh, had to drum up the courage to reveal, which uh, and namely was that I had uh, I knew a lot of the folks she worked with, and I had some questions about her career or career choices. And I got to the bottom of it today, and it was fascinating. I have so much respect and appreciation, admiration for Bose, and I can't wait to share this episode with you today. So again, yours truly and Bose St. John. Uh, as your Instagram handle goes, Badass Bose, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you very much, Chase. I'm, I'm here and ready for you. Let's rock it. So uh, I like to start off most shows with having the guest articulate in their own words who they are in the world, what, what, what they care about, um, a little bit of backstory for, I would say, the handful of people who aren't familiar with your work because you're obviously very prolific see uh earlier intro of all of the the amazing uh change making roles that you've had but in your own words um a little bit about you in my own words you know that might be like the toughest question actually um, i know i know i'm not starting with any no softballs yeah i know it's hard because and also particularly because um the last year has been really a year of transition for me actually we're coming up on a year 
I left my job as the chief marketing officer at Netflix last uh, end of February last year. Um, and it has been really weird, you know, to be in the world without a title. <laughs> if that, you know, does that, does that make sense? You know, it's kind oh, of like, yeah. you know, our, I feel like my existence, I'll just use my, the my words, right? Instead of our, but like my existence for the last 25 years or so has been titled, you know, I am the, this of this company. I'm the, that of this company. I'm, you know, and then for the last decade, I've been chief marketing officer of that, chief brand officer of this, you know, and it's a constant like evolution of who I am. And so it's been really weird, I would say, in the last year to not have the company that I am associated with and just to be me, you know, you know? Yeah. Right. and it is maybe by design of the universe. But God himself, you know, that it has come at a time when I'm releasing my memoir. I promise you I did not plan it that way. It was actually very painful to leave the job, you know. But as I sit here now, literally in this very moment, I'm just like, oh, shit. Well, maybe that that was actually what was supposed to happen, you know, because like without a title and without all the other trappings of identity, it's just me. And I have a story to tell and I've written a book about it. And so... That's it. There's nothing else to say. This comes at an amazing time, I think, in uh, in history where we've just been through a global pandemic. Information's moving faster than ever before. There's a lot of invention, reinvention, a lot of inward turning, finally trying to understand a little bit more about who we are and reflection on this backpack full of stuff that we've all been carrying around, which one might you know call our identities. And as someone who's had, you know, an incredible, you know, list of career roles at Apple, at uh, Uber, at Netflix, uh, and many others, how do you start to, as you just mentioned, how do you start the process of identifying with Bose, with you, and not with what the world thinks of you and the labels that uh, are are you know, placed by others. And sometimes that we actually adopt ourselves. We tell ourselves yeah. these stories. How, how did you work through that process? Cause it seems challenging. Yeah. Very, very challenging. And, you know, again, like, as I sit here, like there's some things that are just like dawning on me, um, which is that for, I'll say like probably the last decade or so, my persona, you know, as, as a business executive, but as badass bows, has somewhat superseded, you know, the companies that I work for. So what has happened to me is that, yes, I am Bose at Apple. I am Bose at Uber. And actually, quite literally, those were also my email addresses while <laughs> I was at those companies. Um, but, and, and I did receive a lot of criticism, you know, for that, right? Internally and externally. People who felt like, oh, well, she's just out for self. Right. She don't care about the company. She don't care about the work. You know, she's just trying to do what she does for her career and her own self-interest. I have lots of feelings about that, you know, because on one hand, I'm like, yeah, you got damn right. I am, you know, because like, what other life am I living? You know, who else am I living for, if not for myself? You know, it's like I should make sacrifices for what? Some other entity outside of me? Like, are you are you out of your mind? You know, and if you do that, shame on you. 
It was like, what kind of life are you living if you are in service only to a company that you're working for? You know? So there's one, there's that issue, right? But the the I the irony of that is that when I took the break and said, okay, you know what? It's it's just time, you know, for me to like step away for just a minute. I thought it was just gonna be a hot second, you know, but now it's like a year. But it's like, you know, I just need a, a, a break. I thought it would be easier, you know, because I have created an identity that sits outside of a company. But what I found is that it was actually, you know, that partnership, that combination of like me plus the thing that made me feel like I had a place in the world, you know? And so when that other thing goes away and it's just me, then I'm sitting around like, oh, but what does that mean for me though? Who am I outside of being this top executive? Or anything else, you know. It's like I'm a I'm a mom, you know. So, but it has how important has that title been outside of my house? You know, it's like yeah. In popular culture, I'm known as a business executive, not necessarily because I'm a mom to Layel. Yeah. You know, or like as a firstborn daughter of Ghanaian immigrants. <laughs> you know, it's like. There are lots of titles I have, and now author. You know, there's lots and lots of titles, but it has been an an evolution. And to your point, I think that, um, you know, the pandemic and certainly other global and, you know, national crises have made us all have to look at ourselves and say, well, what what place do I have? You know, where do I sit in this cog of a society? You know, it's like, where, where do I really belong? And even in like the repercussions of things like the the great resignation (laughs) or the great reaffirmation, you know what I mean? I think that there has been a real need for people to sit back and say, well, what what am I doing? And do I actually love the thing that I'm doing? Does this actually identity, does it mean something to me? Is there purpose in it? And if the answer is no, we start to have a real hard time living that day to day when you don't like the title you have. Or the identity you have. And that for me, for sure, has been the shakeup of the last year, you know, and really trying to identify, well, who the hell am I outside of these jobs, you know, outside of the lists? You know, every time I look up and I'm like, Oop, I made that list. You know, it's like, well, if I'm not on the list, do I matter anymore? It's it's as ironic as I sit here having just uh, shared with the listeners and the watchers of the show you know, largely your biography, which is a list. And now we're sitting here, you know, human to human. And it's interesting to to hear you talk about as someone who as is as accomplished as you are, that the list of things does not equal the person. And as you talk about now being con- confronted with this, you haven't had that for the last year plus, haven't had a uh, uh, an identity to, you know, lean your elbow on. So it can be you, you plus Apple, you plus these other entities. What has that, you know, how has that translated into your day to day? Has it changed anything for you? Is there, is there a more internal focus? What is, how, how has it affected you personally? Ooh, another really tough question. Um, I think maybe the biggest thing is, is how the world has, is now interacting with me. More so than like how it's changed me. For sure, as I said, like it's caused me to reevaluate, like, okay, well, without the title of this C suite job, how do I introduce myself? You know, you go to a, a cocktail party or a dinner somewhere, and it's like, oh, 
Rose, what do you do? You know? And I'm like, I'm unemployed. How about that? You know what I mean? Like, what do you say? Um, but it's been interesting to see how the world reacts to me without the title, you know? And that I think has been such a gift. It has been such a gift. And not that like, I'm like, oh, everybody needs to experience that because hey, listen, look, every, look, you keep your job. You know what I mean? Like, don't, don't come over here, you know? But, but the truth of the matter is that like, I think like everything else, wouldn't you like to know what people actually think of you when you don't have anything to give them? You know, when you, when you have nothing to offer, do people still care about you? They call you, they invite you to places. They give a shit what you think. You know, if I, I have this power position, everybody's on my phone. Text messages. They're asking yeah. me to this party or that party or come to this event or come speak here or come speak there. So when that's all gone, like what is my actual value? That has been, for me, maybe the, the biggest revelation. And it is a gift. It is a yeah. gift. Not that like I'm keeping score. I'm just like, oh, you know what? That bitch didn't call me again. You know what I mean? And they're like, I'll never talk to her again. You know? <laughs> like, that's not necessarily, but I'm not keeping like some sort of scorecard, but I'm just, I'm, it's just very fascinating to me to know like what people think of me and how they interact with me without the trappings of the big company. Did you notice, did you notice a, a sharp um, change in the you know amount of inbound requests for you, your time and your, um, your opinion? <laughs> you know what's really funny about that? <laughs> Because I have changed jobs so many times <laughs> and people assume that there's something big coming, it did it was like a sharp drop off. Because I think what happened is that people just assumed I'd be going on to some major big thing and they didn't want to lose, you know, be out of my grace. Right. So I still got all of the calls, which were just like, oh yeah, you know, I know you're taking a little sabbatical, so come do this thing or come here or da da da. da. And I think as the months dragged on, people were like, wait, are you actually gonna like, are you going to do something or what's happening? You know? And now that it's like, oh yeah, no, I'm releasing my book. People are like, huh, okay. You know, there's no social currency. There's no social currency with that. And so now I'm finding new spaces, new environments, a new place to be, new community. Yep. Of people who appreciate that as currency. You know, people who appreciate the fact that I'm like, oh yes, I come with a font of knowledge and perhaps that is worthy of your time. You know, not necessarily because I sit at Apple and when something goes wrong with your iCloud, you can call me and I can make one call and fix it for you, which by the way, happens all the time, which I was just like, <laughs> you know what I'm like, I'm not an engineer. I don't know what the hell y'all people are calling me. Imagine how many friends, when I worked at Uber, how many people were just like, I left my phone in the Uber. You think you could find it? No, I can't find it. I don't know who that driver was. I don't know them personally. You know what I'm saying? But the interesting thing about the currency now is that it is not something that necessarily you can draw on yeah. to do anything in your life, you know? So I'm finding new community and new places to be, which is a gift, you yeah. know? Because I didn't know that there were other places to be. I built my entire house on something that no longer exists. You know what I mean? And yes. so now it's like we like finding that again. And by the way, I'm going to be, I'm 46 years old. To try and start over again is just like, it's a very daunting and scary thing. And so now I feel a little bolder, actually, that I can even be more of myself. Imagine that. You know, if people thought 
that as badass bows, they saw everything they needed to see in how I talk about the world or how I am. Oh, baby, like just just wait because I I don't have anybody tell me about anything now. You know, there is no Monday morning meeting I have to go to, and somebody's like, "Well, we saw what you said on Friday." Where but nobody's telling me that. Nobody can check me. So now I'm just free to do whatever I want to do, which is a, a beautiful, beautiful place to be. What, and this is one of the reasons that the your timing for being a guest on the show is not an accident. We are going to talk about uh, a new book, the book that you mentioned in your your last answer there. Um, but before we do, this idea that is very powerful within our community, this is a community of largely people who identify as creators and entrepreneurs. They're more more builders than joiners. Uh, and the idea of reinvention and, uh, and self-reinvention and reinvention, especially later in life, is a super powerful and prominent theme with our listeners now. The show is, I think, 13 years old. And um, so can you talk to us a little bit about that? You framed it in, I think the word you used was either, um, what a gift, the gift was the word that you used. And there's someone listening right now who is in the process or needs to move toward the process of reinvention. And I'm guessing is struggling to see that mm. as a gift. So mm. talk to these people. Yes. Ooh. Well, I'll admit this. Right, which is that, as we've said, the core of my business and who I am is a marketer. My job is to day in and day out create identity. That is what I do. You know, I take a phone and I'm like, I'm going to create identity around this thing so that you want it. I'm going to take some soda and I'm going to create identity around it so that you want it. You know, I'm going to take this like ride share and create some identity so you want to use this one only. That is what I do. Every single day for the last 20 plus years. And what is wild <laughs> is that when I turn it on myself, all of a sudden I'm like, wait, how do you do that again? Like how, how, so, so how do I pivot? You know? And again, it's like in the last, I would say, especially in the last like six or seven years, my calling card has really been about crisis management. You know, crisis communication. It's like a brand that is in crisis and needs to pivot to something else. You know, when I joined Uber, it was like right at like the delete Uber fiasco. Yep. Travis Kalanick was still the CEO. He called him founder of, of Uber, obviously. And he called and I was at Apple and he was like, hey, look, gonna need some help. And I'm like, yo, I'm coming right over there. You know, jump right into the fire. And it's like, all right, how do we pivot this? And so I feel strong in being able to say, okay, this is the identity you have as a brand, and now we're going to pivot this way, right? And look, I have held many a founder's hand as they <laughs> cried, as they screamed, as they were just like, no, I'm not going over there. It's dark and I don't know what's under there. The bully man is there. And I'm like, no, come on, let's go. You know, I have, I have done that in public and in private, right? But somehow when it comes to my own identity, when it's just like, oh, it's time for you to pivot, I'm sitting here like chewing on my fingernails, like how in the hell do I do that? You know? So it makes sense to me in your question about, you know, sitting as a person and yeah. thinking about your own pivot and how scary and daunting it is. I have a better appreciation for it now <laughs> that I'm in it. You know, I'm not objective about it, right? Because in previous times, yeah, I've been able to look at it and say, here are the facts of the matter. I could, I've been very emotionless about it, right? 
here are the facts, and this is what you need to do, right? And then execute, get that thing done, do it again and again and again, relentless, right? And now I'm like, oh, but no way, I'm precious though. Like, you know, all this past stuff I've done is so precious. I spent so much time building this thing, and now what? I have to throw it away. You know, like how, like that that feels like an impossibility. I don't want to do that. But the truth of the matter is, and look, I, I can talk about it, like I said, objectively to other people who are listening, but it's also advice that I am now taking for myself, which is that like nothing is for not. What you did in the last decade, two decades, five months, 18 months is, is not wasted. This is all about evolution. You know, pivots aren't hard. They aren't. I'm not talking about hard in in terms of effort. I mean, hard in terms of like a quick break. You know, we as human beings don't function like that. If I saw you in six months from now and all of a sudden you're speaking to me in a British accent, I'd be like, Chase, what the fuck's wrong with you? What what is going on? You know what I'm saying? Now, if (laughs) if you started using maybe some other language that you know, maybe I wasn't used to in this conversation. You start using some real Oxford Dictionary type words and stuff like that. I'm like, now Chase, did you, is this a degree or, or like, how did you, like, what happened here? You know, now that to me is the is how I describe the evolution versus the pivot. You know, the pivot feels hard. It feels sharp. It's like, oh, take a left. And then all of a sudden you leave everything that you've ever done before. We don't have to do that. We don't have to do that. When we are evolving our brands or we're evolving as people and we want to reintroduce ourselves to the world, all the stuff that we've done before, good and bad, by the way, okay, the bad stuff shouldn't be left behind because it makes you human. You know, all of that stuff can come with you and make you even more relatable. And so now as I think about it, I'm like, okay, you know, in this new identity, as a person who has been outside of the traditional workforce for a year, you know, who am I today that I can draw on for the experiences I've had in the last 20 years as a senior business executive who now is evolving into an author, you know, and perhaps into other spaces that are not in traditional corporate world? And draw on that so that it doesn't feel like somebody's going to look at me and say, I don't recognize you at all. Of course you do. I'm still the same person. I've just evolved and I'm using skills that I have from the past to make me even better now because we're building on all those things. These are all built and it's all so good. So yeah, I do see it as a gift. I'm like, gosh, the opportunity to like evolve myself and my world is is miraculous. You know, how many people actually get to do that? How many people you know who are stuck? That's so, This I love the, the difference between pivot and evolve. The contrast you're drawing there, I think is really, really powerful. And I, I feel like this is a, uh, the right time to talk about the book that you uh, have released and the role that it plays in your evolution. Because a memoir, you know, people can write a business book. And, you know, The Art of Marketing by one of the top, you know, CMOs. And, you know, Bose, you're the person to write that marketing book. But when you write a memoir, it's so much, so much um, more personal, deeper. There's a lot more vulnerability. And at this time in your career, as you said, it wasn't planned uh, to be timed right in this very sweet spot. And as someone who's written a couple of books, I know the, the, the long process. 
And yet the title is very striking because I'll just share the title with everyone who's listening, watching the urgent life, my story of love, loss, and survival. How do you reconcile this new sort of awakening of your personhood without attachment to, you know, and maybe even without the ego of all of the other, um, uh, roles that you've had, identities, and this concept of urgency is uh, is very powerful. Help me, help me reconcile those. Yeah, gosh, you just said so much right there that I want to re- respond to. Um, I want to actually, I want to first start with what you said about ego because it's such an important word, you know, and and probably one that um, I've struggled with in the last year, ego. You know, becoming even more vulnerable uh, without the, like we said, the trappings of an identity that give me respect as before I walk in the door, right? Um, but that is what it took in order to write my memoir um, yeah. outside of what everyone else said was going to be the shore win. The business book, absolutely. Every, there was, that was a no-brainer. People were like, Write the how to become a badass business executive, and it will be on the number one New York Times bestselling list immediately. And I'm like, well, that would be nice, but uh, no, that's not what I want to write first. You know, and part of the reason is because um, I think there's such a disservice, you know, that we've done ourselves as a society, as individuals, meaning that um, we haven't allowed ourselves to be people in mm. our work environments and our communities. You know, that very rarely do we know what is happening behind the scenes. You know, the pandemic certainly showed us that, right? All of a sudden you were looking in somebody's bedroom and you're like, Ooh, what is that? You're on the wall. The wall. And their pets and their yeah. kids and yeah. Yeah, exactly. But before that, like, wasn't there that wall? You know? And for me, the um, my memoir, which I wrote, centered on my husband's, my late husband's uh, battle and death uh, with cancer, um, amongst other losses, is squarely in the reason why I live my life the way I live now. You know, it's been almost a decade and since he passed away. And I have spent the time somewhat fueled by the idea that there is no time to waste, you know? And while it might sound like the old cliche, carpe diem, seize the day, you know, live every day like it's going to be your last. We say all these things, they don't mean anything to us. You know, we know, we are, we know that. You know, we think like, oh yeah, we, you know, you could like leave and this could be the last, I'll never see you again, whatever. Like we've all said that already. Okay, and then some people think, oh well, that's super morbid. What's what a way to live your life? But the thing is, like, like maybe maybe that is the way to live life. Maybe that's the way to live life, so that you actually live. Because what the hell are you waiting for? You know, like why? Why are we waiting for six months from now? Why are we waiting until we retire? Why are you waiting for some magical thing to happen before you do the thing that you actually want to do? Why are you waiting? Don't wait. You know, and when I think about that it inspires me 
it makes decisions so much easier, by the way. <laughs> you know, when I'm afraid of doing something, oh, I'm like, girl, you ain't got time for that. Just go ahead, do that. And when it was a job that I didn't feel like was appreciating my value, or they were saying, hey, like, you know what, let's reevaluate this promotion in the next, like, you know, four months or six months. I'm like, well, excuse my language, fuck you, I'm out of here. You know what I mean? Yeah. And again, some people might think, oh, well, isn't that like, that's that's really harsh or like that sounds spontaneous and like irresponsible. And I'm like, no, it's not irresponsible. My husband was diagnosed and dead in six months. Six months with all the children. And so what are you doing in six months? You know, do you still want to be in the miserable place you're at right now? Or is there something that you can change so that you're living a better life, a life you actually want to live? And that's absolutely, like, I, I'm not arguing with anybody. Like, that is that's a deal breaker for me across so many things, across work, across relationships, across, like, yeah, what I want to eat. <laughs> you know, it's like the big and the small. And so yeah. the urgent life is that. It's like, look, urgency is not just about speed. It's not just about time. It's about intention. What is it that I want to do right now? What are the steps that I need to take in order to achieve that thing? I am not waiting to do it. And that is how I feel like at the end of my life, regardless of when that is, baby, you know, I'll be able to look back and say, you know what? I did that. I did exactly what I wanted to do. And I, I won't have regrets. I don't, I don't have fear that I'll have regrets. And it may be the reason why I have so much peace with both what has happened, you know, in my life, because I could be sitting here living in a lot of fear you know, afraid of that lump or that result from a blood test or whatever. But Chase, I'm telling you that I don't have fear about that because there's no way that I'm going to live this life in any kind of regret. I'm going to do the things, I'm going to do all of the things and I'm going to do them right now because I don't want to leave anything that I haven't done or that I didn't want to do. There is this gap that I have struggled with my whole life and how to, when you personally, both have experienced this and communicating that the urgency in this case to someone who hasn't yet had that life experience. And as you've said before, you can, you know, you, you went through a bunch of um, aphorisms or sayings about, you know, carpe diem and all, you've heard these things, but right now there's someone who's listening to the show or watching this show and they are saying to themselves, like, there is this thing that I want to do. Is there something that you can say to them that can pierce this sort of the veil of the aphorism, the fact that we've all heard carpe diem too much? Is there any, like, is there some insight that you have lived through that you feel like might be able to hit different for the mm -hmm. person who's listening right now and has that belief, understands it uh, intellectually? Mm -hmm but has not taken the step. Mm. Yeah. Well, you know how we get around it sometimes, you know, this, this idea um, of like, yeah, well, look, I'm going to do the thing. I'm going to do it logically. I'm going to do it in the right time. Is that we make the pro and con list. And then we write out the timelines. We do all those things. When actually, you know it in your gut. You know, like it's in there. You, you know what, you know what you want to do. <laughs> Why are you not listening to it? You know, so sometimes I'm like, yeah, of course there's logic. Of course there's a plan. Of course there's this like, hey, look, I know the carpe diem. I know I have to, you know, 
live this and like grab life by the horns and all the things. Um, and I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it in my time, you know? And meanwhile, yeah. you're wasting time. You know, meanwhile, like two years is going to go by and you still would not have done the thing. Like how many people said in 2020, like, oh, you know, I'll wait till things get back to normal and then I'm going to do the thing. We're in 2023. Like, are you still yeah. waiting for things to go back to normal? You know? And so I think part of the message or what I'm trying to express is that I'm not asking that you throw away logic. I'm not asking that you throw away timelines or like the realities of life. Cause yes, we all have responsibilities. You don't just want to get up and like throw it all away and go, you know, roam the world in your backpack. I'm not just saying that, but I want us to do a better job of listening to our intuition, you know, listening to the spirit that tells you the direction that you should be going to versus trying to talk yourself into a bad idea, (laughs) you know, because you're like, oh, let me write the pros of this thing. You know, it's like, why? Why did you write that pros and cons? And then also, why did you ask your mom why, if she thought it was a good idea? You know what I'm saying? Like, why did you do that? Or your best friend who has never been where you are right now? You know, that's the other thing where I'm just like, throw that away too. You know, I didn't, I don't say like, you know, don't listen to your friends and family or your mentors or whatnot. <laughs> I don't want to get myself in total trouble here. Um, but really, do they really matter though? You know what I'm saying? Because um, I think you actually know what is best for you. We just don't trust ourselves enough. So perhaps the challenge is not just like, hey, like, you know, how do you get out of the rut of feeling like, look, I want to live an urgent life. I want to seize the day and I want to live urgently, but I don't know how to do that. And I'm not quite sure when to do that. Maybe the question is like, how much do you trust yourself? You know, how, how much do you trust what you know, what you believe? You know, it's like some of it is faith. It really is. Yeah. Two things. One, I want to know what that sounds like in your head, what, what intuition sounds like. And then two, I want to go to the question of you, you talk about trusting yourself. Was there a time when you didn't and how did you learn to trust yourself? So those two things. First, what does it sound like? And then how does one learn to trust oneself? <laughs> what does it sound like? Um, gosh, it comes in various forms. For me, like, so I kind of liken it to, um, I don't know, maybe you've never experienced this before, but, or maybe you have. You know, it's like you walk into a, into a bar or you're about to walk down the street. Maybe it's a little dark and you're like, I don't go down that street. I don't think so. You know what I mean? And then you turn around and walk a different direction. Or, you know, have you ever met somebody, like a brand new person, you know, somebody introduced you to, and just off the bat, you're like, I don't really like that person. Something's off. You know what I mean? But then what happens? You're like, oh, well, this person introduced me and they do the X, Y, and Z thing. They're so important. And so then you're like, oh, I must be wrong. No, you're not. This is what I'm trying to tell you. You're not wrong. Like, yeah. you, you are right. You are right. You should listen to yourself. You should trust yourself, you know? And yeah, there have been plenty of times where I have not trusted myself or have not thought that I knew best because somebody else said, oh, no, you know what? I'm the expert here, and I'm going to tell you that you need to follow this thing or you need to go here. And that joint has been bad every single time. And that is why now I'm just like, oh, hell no. First of all, I don't, I'm not asking anybody for their opinion, okay, on what I should do. And I'm certainly going to move on my own accord. And by the way, 
there have been plenty of times when I've done that and people have not cheered for me. You know, back to the point about, you know, even like with the job, like, you know, moving from app, because I was at Apple at the time when Travis approached me about uh, Uber. And I was just coming off of a super successful year. You know, we had launched Apple Music, built it from scratch, launched Apple Music. I had done the Apple keynote, you know, presented it myself to rave reviews, like stock was rising, the subscribers were coming. I mean, it was like, it was golden time. I remember that talk. Yeah, it was was like, I had an office in Cupertino and one in LA. I was was out here living the life, you know? And then here's this company in serious trouble that was not the darling of tech anymore. Yeah. And um, the day I went in to resign, literally everyone was just like, what the hell is wrong with you? Yeah. Like, why would you leave Apple at the height like of, of everything I was doing there and go to this company that people are like literally on Facebook, like bashing it every day. And oh, this founder who is in battle and is he even a good guy? You know, like all those things. But the truth of the matter is that I felt it in my spirit. I knew it. I knew I had to go. And I'm so glad I did. Interesting. You know, even though, and this is where, you know, it's real, look, Chase, we getting, we getting real, real, okay? Yep. 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 I did not enjoy my time at Uber. I didn't. Yep. You know, I was there for one year and one day. <laughs> then I was like, I'm out of here. I tell you, it was good, okay? Everybody be on. Um, but it was, it was the right thing for me to do because I also learned so much yep. about myself. I learned about the business. I learned about tech. There was just so many other things that I needed in my life. And I needed it as a catapult to where I ended up with Endeavor and Ari Emanuel. You know, it became, like that took me to another direction. So again, my point is that if you're listening to this and you've been doing the math on what you should do next, the next move you should make, you've calculated the time, you've calculated like the pros and cons, should I, shouldn't I, da, 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 da. get quiet, stop with the math. Stop with the opinions of people. Don't call your neighbor and ask them a question. Don't do that. Sit with yourself for two minutes. Two minutes. That's actually all you need. Two minutes. And just ask yourself, what do I want to do? It's going to scare you. I promise you it will. Because it's probably not what you wrote down on paper. (laughs) It probably goes against what your neighbor told you to do. Yeah. But if you don't listen to yourself, I guarantee you, I, look, you can call me later and tell me whether or not I'm wrong, okay? I guarantee you, you are headed down the wrong path and you will not be fulfilled in your life should you do the things that are outside of what your destiny is calling you to do. Spoken. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, little confession here. So I know just enough about all of those different ecosystems that I also was asking the question that you were saying, people, we're asking. I'm going to put myself in that situation. Uh, I've given keynote talks on that st- stage there at Steve Jobs Theater. So when you crush that talk, and obviously, as you mentioned, the stock was there's a, like I remember reading the, you know, you know, one of the new faces of Apple. There's all kinds of rhetoric, and so I was just enough familiar with that world and having collaborated with that that them and that company for a long time. And then you went to Uber. I also know Travis and Ryan well, and was like, whoa, did not see that coming. Personally, did not see that coming. And 
then the the next pivot, Ari was an investor in my last company, Ari and Patrick. And so that also didn't see that coming. And I say this to acknowledge that while I feel like I can know people and players and understand just enough about the game to be dangerous, but to not be in your shoes, there's something about the benefit of the doubt that we ought to be giving the other person grace. And you talked about, you know, reading headlines about yourself in the paper. And I'm wondering, is there a message that as someone who has been, uh, you know, as I'm out there thinking, wow, you know, Bose is doing, doing her. This is, there's definitely something at work here that I do not see or understand. Is there, is there anything that you would share to those as someone who's been in the public eye and has been scrutinized? Is there anything that you would share to those who find themselves in that position? As, as I'm trying to confess that I was in that position, like, wow, I don't get it. What's going on here? Is there any advice that you'd give to reserve judgment or, you know, the, the reality is we all don't know what any individual person's going through, but I'm wondering if you can give us some, you know, give us some advice here because we do it. It's so easy in our culture to just either cast judgment or. Yeah. Oh, we do it so much. And thank you for your confession. <laughs> yeah. But, and, and this is, again, I, I, I pride myself on knowing these people and the, and yet it, in some ways you, you just kept rising. Yeah. And I'm so, I, I don't, this help me understand all that. Well, I think that's, um, you know, I think that's actually the center of it, you know, which is that like, I think one thing we don't acknowledge is that you'll be criticized anyway. Boom. Regardless of what you do, you know, like you could sit there and be doing your job and be hitting friggin' balls, like out the feet, like home runs. And people will still have something to say about what you could have done, should have done. Ah, she would have been smarter. She'd done blah, 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 blah. Like, thank God I learned that early. <laughs> you know, that people are going to have an opinion any goddamn way. Yeah. And so if you have an opinion about something I do, which I actually want to do, I have less trouble with that. You know, I'm not saying I don't have any trouble because for sure I read the headlines, for sure it hurts. When people criticize or say like, oh man, she just, what is wrong? She's so flighty. Like what, what the hell? Oh, she's not going to stay around for long. Oh, I hope they're ready with her exit paper. You know, like that stuff affects me for sure. But let me tell you something. I can sleep at night. I can look at myself in the mirror knowing I'm doing exactly what the hell I want to do. I'm not sitting around at the job because somebody thinks it's a good idea for me to be there and then still get criticized for it. Oh, I would have a much harder time with that. And so perhaps maybe the advice I'm giving beyond the like, hey, please don't jump to, you know, jump to conclusion when you're looking at somebody else's life on the outside. We all know that. It's like one of the golden rules, but we do it anyway. You know, so I'm not gonna tell you not to do that. Though. This is why this is what I'm confessing. I'm like, I know there's yeah, stuff right. I don't know. But yeah, I right. just I'm I'm trying to put two and two together. And then again, this is the part that's amazing, is that always rising. Yeah, always, yeah. always rising. Yeah, but but I do look. This is why I'm going to get through through on you. I think that's actually part of the magic. You know, it's like people sometimes wonder, like, well, I got so stuck. You know, it's like I can't seem to break out of my rut. 
You know, I've hit a plateau in my business and I can't seem to find my way. Well, who is your boss? Who are you answering to? You answer to yourself or you're answering to all of them out there who don't know a goddamn thing about what you're doing. You know, and if you are, I do feel like that there is some energy out there. And that's what I'm saying with the food, food stuff. I you know, yeah, some yeah. people don't believe it, but let me no, tell I you, you. Again, I have lived this life and I'm telling you that that is what happens to me. Is that like, I am moving at the speed and at the pace and with the footsteps of my own destiny. And I think that is why I'm being rewarded. I'm not doing it because somebody somewhere said, oh, you know what you should do next? You know, or I'm waiting for somebody to praise the next move. Like you can sit back and scratch your head all you want to. But when I come out on the other side with the wind because I followed what was meant for me. <laughs> yeah, you'll be confused. You'll be sitting there being like, how in the hell did she end up over there? How does she get that much more success? Oh, my gosh. It's in the Hall of Fame. Why? Yeah, exactly. Because I'm doing exactly what it is that I know is meant for me. And you do what's meant for you. When I was reading, uh, I'm just bringing it up here. When I was reading uh, some of the marketing material for a book, again, I'm going to go back to the title here, The Urgent Life, My Story of Love, Loss, and Survival. There's a phrase in here about when, you're P- when, when Peter died of cancer, mm-hmm. you made the decision to live urgently. You'd been no stranger to adversity, having lost your college boyfriend to suicide, navigated an interracial marriage, grieved a child born prematurely process that led to you and your husband's separation and then co-parented the daughter you like that is a lifetime's worth of obstacles in arguably you know 10 or 12 years how how did that change you relative to say someone who had experienced less Mm. yeah um, you know, grief and like darkness is such a, it's like, there's no, there's no end of it. You know, there's like, there's no, there's no edge of it where you can be like, oh, you know what? if I only get to this marker, if I only get to this part, then it'll be done and I'll be okay. You know, like that phrase that people say, like time heals all wounds. I'm like, you know, you don't know how deep my wounds are, man. You know, time, time doesn't heal it. It just, I just learned how to live with it. You know, I, um, I'm a different person because of the things that have happened to me. You know, um, do I wish they hadn't have happened? Hell yeah. You know, I wish, I wish life had been smooth, (laughs) all happiness, you know, no obstacles, no traumas, no grief. I, I desperately wish that. By the way, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God some questions about that shit. <laughs> I'll be like, look, look, look. I don't know why you thought I was so strong, because let me tell you something. <laughs> I could have lived without this. But the truth of the matter is that, you know, for all of us, you don't necessarily have to have lived these multiple griefs because I don't like to compare grief, first of all. You know, right. I don't like to say that, like, oh, well, what I went through was worse than what you've gone through. Like, we've all been through some things. Yeah. Now, when you've been there, and you see in the darkness, and you know those moments when you cannot put one foot in front of the other. You know, when just life just seems too heavy, everything just seems too bright. You just want to shut it all down. Like I've already been there. I've been there and it's so empty. You know, there's no joy there. There's no 
happiness. There's no inspiration. There's no passion. It's, it's quiet and gray and terrible. You know, and I think for me, I have not wanted to stay there. For some time, I thought that that's what I wanted, you know, because when you're in the throes of that grief, that's all you want to do. You want to throw the, you know, blanket over your head and just hide. In fact, when um, when Peter died, um, three months later, I was sitting in front of Jimmy Iovine and Dr. Dre. <laughs> I had I was working at Pepsi at the time, and um, I had negotiated this enormous deal with this with the NFL, done Super Bowl halftime show with like Beyonce. Like it was a lot of stuff. And then Peter died, and it like rocked my world, and I didn't know what I wanted to do next, but. I met with Jimmy Iovine and Dr. Dre because they were launching Beats Music off the back of Apple Music. Um, I didn't know anything about streaming music at all, <laughs> you know? Um, I'm sorry, they were, they were launching Beats Music off of um, Beats Electronics. Yeah. yeah. And um, I, I was sitting in Jimmy's living room. And I, by the way, before that, I had a... I really was not the person who talked about my personal stuff in front of anybody, you know? But I found myself in his living room telling him about what had happened in the last nine months of my life, you know, with my husband. And now I had a four-year-old daughter and I'm like a single parent. I'm like, I'm a widow. I'm like, what, what kind of titles are these, you know? And he looked at me and he said, like, why aren't you in a cave? Like, how, how are you even sitting here in like LA? Like, I don't understand how you're not crying somewhere. You know, and I, I looked at him and I thought, God, because I really need something to pull me out of this. You know, I, I need something that I can look to in the future, that I can just grab onto and, and pull me out of this darkness. You know, and so when I think of like all of these things that have happened along my life, part of the reason why I'm not sitting in the cave is that I continue to find things in the future that pull me. You know, I'm not looking at just today or just looking at the past and saying, well, what if that hadn't happened? What if, da, 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 da? you know, like, and I said, like I said before, it's not that I sit around without fear. You know, I am currently a single mother to a 13 year old girl and I do not want to leave her here in this world by herself. So yes, I am afraid of death. I don't want to die anytime soon. But the, in the event that that happens, I've got to be able to plan for what will happen with her. You know? And that's part of the reason why I'm able to think about the future in such a positive way. I want her to live an extraordinary life. You know, I want her to have like all of the things. And so what are the things about the future that I can do today that will get us there? And that is what keeps me hopeful. That is what keeps me inspired. You know, so to the point again, it's like, look, you don't have to have gone through all of these griefs and traumas. It's like, what is it in the future that pulls you so that you continue to feel inspired? So you continue to feel like, ah, oh, life is worth living. Like this thing is so exciting. And that is what I'm doing day to day. That, that leads me to another question, which thank you for sharing that and doing so, so vulnerably. You talked about um, listening to yourself and what, you know, what you want in your life, a lot of people, and you've also said something about stillness. Are those two things connected? A lot of people who are listening have 
you know, we've been programmed by so many different inputs. They have trouble knowing what they actually want. What's Bose's recipe for determining what you want? Um, yeah, you're right. Uh, look, I'm, um, (laughs) in my book, I also talk about my relationship with God. Um, you know, it's complicated. I'm a, I'm a preacher's kid. I grew up in the church, so I have faith. Um, but I'm also unconventional as you have heard me swear like a a trucker up up on here. You know, my preacher dad would not be proud of that. (laughs) But one of my favorite Bible verses is, uh, be still and know that I am God. And it's a simple one. It's a short one, but I feel like that has been somewhat of a guiding force for me, especially recently, you know, um, because it's not that I'm necessarily looking for, for God in like some heaven, you know, that's like aside from myself, you know, it's like, I'm looking for that inside of myself. And so stillness requires that. There's so much noise in the world. There's so much noise. You know, it's like, and like I said, some of it is of our own making. You know, like we can't blame just like all the news, this and Instagram, that and Twitter. Like, yeah, of course, those those are things that are happening outside of us. But some of it is of our own making. Like I said, sometimes you're asking for inputs that you don't need. You know, you're filling our minds with all this noise. And so stillness requires quiet. Requires you to really look internally and say, what is it that I actually want? And then, by the way, you sometimes got to push away your own expectations. You know, the things like we just talk about the ego, you know, that are clouding your judgment. And again, I'm not saying that I don't, I don't battle with these things, you know, like in about June of 2022, I had been unemployed for like three months and the ego was fighting me. (laughs) Yeah. Ego was like, girl, ain't nobody like you. Nobody knows you anymore. You know, you need a job. (laughs) And then I'm like, Oh no, I gotta be, I gotta be quiet. Let me think, let me think, let me think. You know, like what what am I hearing? Like, is it, is it really me? Or is it the ego? Is it other people who are like, what are you gonna do now? Oh my God, I'm waiting to hear the new announcement of where you're gonna go. All of that noise is what it was peppering me instead of what eventually I ended up listening to was just like, nah, be still. Okay. You're writing this book. You're going to publish it. You gotta focus. You know, better understand yourself, better understand this moment of me, and then you can move. You know, but that's the thing is that um, without that quiet and that stillness and really paying attention to yourself so that you're quieting all the noise around you and even the ones that are like you, you're talking to yourself, you won't really have a good sense of what it is you actually want or who it is you actually want to be. And so but that takes practice. It's not automatic. Like you might uh, not hear it on the first time. You might have I to do it six or seven times. This is this is now now we're getting to the part that I was hoping. This like no, but to say be quiet and then to say someone says okay cool, uh, I'm you know I meditated or I did my journal session this morning and to have answers not just come up. Mm. To, you know, is this a is there some expectations that we can set? Should we be free of expectations? 
you know, I thought when you were saying that, they're like, okay, we quiet down this busy life. We go on vacation for six days and we expect the answers. You know, this is also, we're programmed, right? We're conditioned to believe that that's how it works. But what I'm hearing from you is that's not how it works. Oh, that is not how it works at all. I mean, how shocking and disappointing is that, huh? That you think I do all this work, I quiet everybody down, I ignore my cousin who thinks they know about, you know, the next big idea and that I should be doing it. Um, by the way, everybody and their mom has told me what I should be doing now. Just just so that we know that I'm also in this with you, you know? It's like literally everyone is like, you know what you should do next? You know what company you should work for next? Oh, you know what? Start your own thing. I'm like, first of all, you don't know what I want in my life. Okay. So everybody just shut up. But is the answer that I, I know right now, as I sit here in front of you, what that's supposed to be? No, I don't. I've been searching for it this whole time. I still don't know. I still don't know. What I believe, though, and where my faith then plays a real big part in this is that I know it will come to me. I know it will. Chase, I'm telling you, it has happened too many times. For me to now all of a sudden be like, oh, you know what? That's not true. No, I've been on this journey. You know, things have happened that have been lined up just for me. You know, there's no way I get to the Beats job, which then turns into Apple without having had done the work at Pepsi, without having had negotiated those big ass deals. There's no way I jump to that. There's no way I go to Uber and work with Travis on this highly public brand without having stood on the stage at Apple and taken those bullets when people were pointing them my way about Apple Music, whether or not it was good. You know, there's just, there's too many things that needed to happen that helped me on the next thing. So yeah. no, the answers aren't somewhere in the ether waiting to land on you. That's the thing. It's, it's already here. It's right here. So all you got to do is excavate, you know? And like any other gym is like, well, maybe it just takes that one more stroke of the pick in order to get to it. But if you stop and you put it down, you're like, ah, I can't find anything anyway. Then you miss it. You know, so keep, keep that, that pick in your hand. Keep excavating. Keep finding. And maybe you discover something else along the way, by the way. Maybe you're looking for diamonds. You find some damn gold. You know, that's not bad. That's not bad. That's not, you know, let's that's, that's not count discount the gold now, you know, just because you're looking for diamonds. Don't be disappointed that you found the gold. And perhaps that's another lesson, which is that, you know, we're all looking for this big aha, this big moment, which tells, oh, la, 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 this is what I'm supposed to do with my life forever. Maybe that's not it. Maybe you just need to know what you need to do next week. You know, and so maybe it's just about understanding what happens in the next small decision. And not necessarily for the entirety of your life. And if there's anything, that's what I've been working on this past year. It's like, what do I just need to do next? Those two things that you just said, like the idea that, you know, I think most people when they are trying to craft their own life, you've talked about this, you know, creating an identity for a brand versus as soon as you're, you're asked to do that for yourself, you're, you're, there's some sort of paralysis. And we, we, we like to see, and I think other people who are listening right now might think that you know, Bose had it all figured out. She saw the whole staircase. But what I'm hearing from you now is that, no, I saw a stair or, or two. And yet, then the next thing that, that follows from this that I'm very impressed by and what I was hoping to hear from you is 
there's this it sort of seems like a bias to action, right? You took the job, did the thing, despite of the voices and despite your auntie or you said you got all the friends in the world telling you exactly what to do next. Is this, am I reading into this too much or is there some sort of a, is in order to use the analogy of, you know, just sort of keep, keep picking. Is that, is that, uh, is that been a philosophy of yours all the time or is this a learned, you know, did you learn this? Yeah, I think now I can, um, I think now I can articulate it better, you know, because hindsight helps and it's, it helps me in the future also. But, um, along the journey, I know that's like, I think it's a shock to people when I say that I'm like, I haven't had a plan. There's been no plan. You know, I didn't have some grand master thing that said, Oh, you know, at some point I want to be this. And then I found, I figured out a way to get there. It has really been just one step at a time. I saw the thing in front of me and I went and do that, you know? And again, you know, sometimes we're also like stuck by the idea that a wrong decision is going to lead us down a path that like our destiny is not meant for, right? You think like, oh, well, if I make this decision and I fail, then I would have missed the mark on the thing that I'm supposed to get to. And so then it keeps us stuck. Because we're like, I don't want to make a bad call. I don't want to make a bad decision. But maybe, but maybe the thing, maybe there is actually no bad decision, right? Maybe every step that we make is actually what leads us closer and closer and closer to where we're actually supposed to be. And that's what I believe for myself, you know. So again, it's like, hey, look, when I left Apple to go to Uber, and everybody was just like, what the hell? Like, why would you do that? That's so stupid. I can't believe it. Like, blah blah blah. And I was like, you might be right. And guess what, Chase. There were people a year later who was like, told you, told you that was a bad move. You know, oh, you should have heard them. People, ha, 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 I told you it was a bad thing. You should have never gone. No, actually, I should have. I learned a lot of lessons in that year. I learned a lot of stuff that helped me afterwards. Things, some things that I'm like, ooh, I would do that again in another place. Or things that I was just like, oh, I'll never do that again. <laughs> you know? And so, yeah, there is, I have not had some master plan of taking one step. And said, okay, this thing and that thing and that thing. And even in understanding that should that thing fail, it was still the right move for me. So that I really try my best not to live without regret. I know people say that thing all the time, but truly I'm like, yo, I feel like all of these things are, it's like the universe is conspiring for my good, for my success. And so maybe we just need to look at it that way. You know, that like your path doesn't need to look the same as the next person's path, but that's because y'all not on the same journey, you know? And so like the things that you do that are missteps, a decision you made that sent you down the wrong path for however long, maybe it was longer than a year, is not necessarily bad for you. Maybe that helps you into the next thing that you're supposed to do. So I don't think it's all bad. Mm. I think that just this idea that 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 effort is not wasted, that there are no bad choices, that that is a that's the universe happening. What is it? The universe happening for you instead of to you. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. So this has been incredibly insightful. I need to go back and again say the urgent life highly recommended. My story of love, loss, and survival. Um, 
I want to step out. I want to take our aperture widen just a little bit. And that is because this is the, the, the listeners and the watchers of the show. It's a creative community. We think of ourselves as, as, as people who are builders, writers, creators, entrepreneurs. Um, and the zoom out is really about you writing about yourself. The creative process to, to me and to this audience is, um, is very powerful. I'm wondering if you can describe what it was like to share these vulnerable stories, to um, you know, decide that the book was the right format for you know for you to share this stuff. G- give us a little bit of a creative process from uh, from your perspective. Yeah. Um, well, I didn't know how to even begin. <laughs> if I can be that honest, you know? No, this is the, I, I, like knowing how to start is the hardest part. Yeah, it's really, really tough. But also, Chase, the whole thing was daggone tough. You know what I mean? The whole thing. And for me, because I'm, like I said, you know, it's like, look, I, I've been on a schedule for a long time. <laughs> you know, it's like, so I needed to find what sort of writing method would work for me, you know? And, I'm a procrastinator also by nature, Lord help me, you know? Um, and so knowing that the whatever the due date was for that first draft, if I if I had left my own devices, I would have waited and then a month before that I'd been like, oh shit, I got how many pages is it is needed for this? You know what I mean? And so I needed to set up the schedule, um, which meant that for me, it was every Saturday morning, you know, nothing, nothing could get in that way. Nine to twelve every Saturday morning. And if that meant that I had to sit there and stare at the blank screen, that's what I had to do. You know? On top of it, the real the real note of it for me was that um I had to talk it through. You know, I really had to talk it through. And so I found, you know, safe space with people you know, one very special person, but then also, you know, my editor and other people that I could talk to. Eventually, I also got a therapist because writing a memoir like this requires... You go to some places, I bet. Man, you got to go places that you don't want to go, you know? And um, another thing that was really weird to me, I, I remember my my sister read, you know, one of my early drafts and she was like, how do you remember all this shit, you know? And I was like, man, you'd be surprised by when you pull one thread, you know, yeah. how it starts unraveling other things. There were sometimes I'd be like, oh, God, I forgot that whole thing happened, you know, and telling one story and then found myself in a whole different place. And so the process for me was one of like, you know, feeling like I wanted to tell the whole truth, even if it was going to hurt, you know, and even to that I remember one time my editor said to me, "Guys, you're not a hero in this in this book." And I'm like, "Am I supposed to be? You know, like I want to look at the book, I want to look at the stories in the book, and feel like I told the truth. You know, there was there was there's nothing in there where it's just. I mean, I'm down to the detail. Like if there oh, was a scent in the room, I want to tell you exactly what it smelled like. I want to tell you what the color of the walls were. I'm gonna tell you what I was wearing." You know, like nothing, I don't want to leave anything where it feels like, oh, girl, you told them that you were a fashion forward when you knew you were wearing that polyester suit. You know, it's like, I'm going to tell you I was wearing the polyester suit and it was ugly as hell. <laughs> you know? Like, so that process for me also helped me to move in the book 
because I was like, I want this to feel and look like the historical document that it is. I'm going to be as accurate as possible. I'm not going to flinch in the face of things that are ugly, even about myself, you know, that I will tell the truth of how it was to be in that moment, um, what my thoughts were, how selfish I was at some points, you know, and be able to tell that honestly. Now, I've learned a lot since those times. I'm, I'm hopeful that I'm a better evolved human given everything I've been through. But at those moments in that time, sometimes it wasn't pretty and that, and that's okay for me to tell. And so once I gave myself that permission, the stories came. I wasn't trying to edit myself or trying to be pretty. It was like, no, I'm going to tell you exactly what happened. And then they came. This idea of not flinching, I think is so powerful. And I want to thank you uh, from the, the concept of a piece of art that a memoir can be in that yours in fact is. And then of course, all the lessons that we can take away from it. Our mutual friend, Glennon Doyle said, every page shows us how to love and lose while staying so unflinchingly close to the beautiful, brutal truth. She's got that phrase called brutal, which is this combination of beautiful and brutal, which is, um, which came to mind several times while I was reading your book. So I want to say thank you so much for sharing so openly and honestly with us today. I want to say congratulations on the book. We're very good at supporting artists and specifically authors when they launch their books. So um, our community will go out again. The title is The Urgent Life, My Story of Love, Loss, and Survival. Uh, I can't thank you enough, both, for being on the show. Um, is there anywhere else you'd love to direct our audience? Now that you're resting, we'll focus on the book, but... Uh, and any other place you want to direct our attention prior to uh, uh, us wrapping up the show today? Well, you know, I'm um, like I said, I'm I'm still trying to figure out all the things I want to do. You know, in the meantime, um, while publishing this book, I'm also just trying to share as much knowledge I have about the how to, <laughs> the how to do the thing. You know, I found that like at the beginning of the pandemic, I was like, oh. Let's see what else is going on now that I'm sitting still, you know, and I always get so many questions about, you know, just what I felt were sometimes the simple things about career, um, which applied to not just people in the corporate space that uh, are taking jobs, but the ones who are creating them too, you know, about money negotiation or about, you know, relationships with people and how to navigate them. And so I've shared a lot of it on uh, my website, which is aptly named after me. So bozmasaintjohn.com, uh, awesome. you'll find me there. Thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Um, we are fans, any work that you ever wanna share with the world, you're a, a welcome guest, return guest back on the show. And in the meantime, those of us in this community, we will get out and get to work supporting you uh, with the new book and whatnot. And thank you again for your insight. Uh, you know, marketing chops aside, it's so refreshing to see uh, a human who's on the stage that you're on being willing to be so vulnerable and open and allow us to learn from you. So thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity and uh, the very honest conversation. <laughs> yeah, I, could, I, I confessed a few things here. I'm like, wow, what are you doing? I thought I knew and clearly I didn't because here you are. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being on the show and to everybody out there in the world. 
uh, make sure to check out uh, the new book and, um, and of course, the website that she directed our attention to. And in the meantime, from those and yours truly, we both bid you adieu until next time. All right. Hey, before you go, thanks so much for listening. And if you got value from this show, chances are your community will too, right? In the particular lies the universal. Please share this link to the show with a friend or mention the show on social. That is a huge benefit for us in hopefully in exchange for providing value to you. I want you to know that I really appreciate your time, the attention, anything that you give to the show and the questions that you ask our guests either on social media or through my text community. All of that is pure gold. This community, like any community, is a testament to that old phrase, a rising tide floats all boats. And by elevating one another, by sharing and resharing this show, the tidbits that you learn and the experiences you take away, all of that has a collective, massive positive impact on the world. So just a quick thank you. I appreciate all the effort you put into sharing for this show. All right, that's a wrap. Let's put today's episode into practice and get back to growing together. <music>